The Improverbial Podcast is a part of the Boardman Review Podcast Collective in collaboration with Cold Shower Media. The Podcast Collective aims to tell unique stories curated by the Boardman Review, the creative culture and outdoor lifestyle journal of Northern Michigan. This episode is brought to you by the Boardman Review, Cold Shower Media, and Donate a Desk, Enable with a Table. It's a wacky name and a great organization. Our friend Annie makes and donates cool desks to kids in needs, so they have a sturdy surface to work on while they're learning from home during this god darn pandemic. So thanks, Boardman Review, Cold Shower Media, and Donate a Desk. Hello and welcome to The Improverbial, a podcast where we unearth obscure sayings and phrases from around the world, invent absurd new proverbs, and talk about things mundane, spurious, irrelevant, and profound. I am the capitalist, Pete Kirkwood. And I'm Lisa Thauvet, the Tilt Thinker. I've been doing and coaching improv for many years. Pete and I have been doing improv together for some of those years. This podcast is a mashup of Pete's interest in the science of well-being, my background in education and human development, our shared fascination with the world's idiomatic weirdness, and our superpowers in improv comedy. We are the Improv Verbializers. Woohoo! Yeah! Okay, so this uh, we've scoured the world. This is a this is a great new phrase. I cannot wait to talk more about it and to get to the bottom of it, the murky bottom of it. I'm sure many of you folks are familiar with it. It's an as it's an it's an English language saying, um, although it does appear in other languages too. I think, and it goes like this: Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. And according to our deep research into Wikipedia, it means an avoidable error in which something good is eliminated when trying to get rid of something bad. Or, in other words, rejecting the favorable along with the unfavorable. Lisa, what? Tell me, tell me more about this thing. What do we know about this? What have we learned? Yeah, well, through my very extensive research, it looks like uh, some of the first signs of this are in from Germany in 1512. It was found by a in a book by Thomas Murner, who wrote "Appeal to Fools." Uh, Pete, so you, that should be appealing to folks like me. Yeah, we should be very appealed to this. Uh-huh. Um, I, I think your German is quite good, Pete. Yeah, but what? <laughs> yeah. Can you do the original ja. version? Yeah. Das Kind mit dem Bad ausschütten. That's beautiful. Uh, it is. That's the thing about it's, German. It's, it's so melodic romantic. and soothing. Yeah. It's why they call it the language of love. It is. It is known as the language of love. It's the. It's my default when I'm <laughs> seducing someone. <laughs> Pillow talk in German is just. Yeah. It's really the best. And and I and what it, kind of where it comes from is this idea way back when that you didn't take many baths, but when you did and you're in this family, you would fill up one big tub. The man would go first and all the males of the family. Like he, he just got back from stacking mud or mining coal. Right. Yeah. You're out there with smart. all the oxen and you're making your mud and manure walls. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. And the, the, the husband would go into that bath, that tub of uh, water then the sons, then the women, and of course the children. Must it got crowded in there. Yeah, they would each get out. Oh, oh okay. They would each get out one, one by one. And of course the last on that uh, on that hierarchy would be the baby. And the water's so dirty. Which is always good to, to throw the ba- clean the baby in the In, in the, the dirtiest, dirtiest water. of the water, right. right. That's, it's that's good, it's good for their immune system. 
right? It, they're that's not so precious. It, it makes them more robust. And that's why the G Germany in the 1500s is held up as a model of, um, of, of hygiene, hygiene, yeah, right? And, yeah, and sanitation. And so then this water be so dirty, you might throw that water out, uh, and the baby might be in there. And you know, you might forget about him that back there. You might hear him cry a little bit later. What's that sound outside? Oh, I must have Boy, thrown the baby out. Boy, that water made a funny out. splatting noise. I mean, can't imagine filling up a bathtub back in the day when you didn't have, well, I mean, would the water even be warm? I mean, geez. Actually, the person, the last person in the tub might have had it the best because like the water would have been sort of like more or less warmed up to body temperature by then. <laughs> right? I think they might have I mean, heated it over some type of fire before and now it's very cold. That That's makes it like a side. crock pot. Like a it's crock like a giant pot. crock pot. Yeah. It's like just a kind of soup. Yeah, simmering there There's and- Softening up all day. Yeah, it, I, it would be pretty opaque probably by the time that you were done. And you wouldn't, I don't know, man. Taking a bath in ancient Germany sounds. No, it sounds rough. It sounds it's rough. Not, it's not for the weak. Mm -mm. I, I, but, you know, there were a lot of rules and theories behind bathing. You know, we think, oh, did they not bathe as much or did they bathe more? You know, there were so, there were so many rules. It's kind of this idea. I was looking at the monks at Westminster, Westminster Abbey. They would bathe four times a year. Whether it, they needed it or not. Whether they needed it or not. Christmas, of course. This is a bit nice uh -huh. time. Uh -huh. Easter, end of June and end of September. Uh -huh. Now, I got the Christmas and Easter, end of June, end of September. I don't I'm know, sure I, there was something significant there. Yeah, I mean, there's always something going on in Westminster. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, those guys, I mean, they were, they did take a vow of celibacy, I think. So really, it's fairly moot how they smelled. Yeah, they, did, they weren't trying to attract anybody with their, no. Yeah, no, so... Um, I but, bet it got a little I mean, spe it. speaking of that, I did read that they saw bathing as a, for powers of healing. So beforehand, you couldn't have much sex beforehand. The monks but, couldn't have much sex beforehand. Well, no, just in general during this time, oh, okay. you didn't want to have too much, but you also wanted to have some. It said you just needed to have the right <laughs> amount of sex before you had a bath. That's what my wife always says. Just, just the right just, amount. Just the right yeah. amount. Not too clean. You know, I like you a little oh, I thought, dirty. Oh, I was talking not too much sex. Not too little sex. <laughs> no, just the right amount of dirtiness. Oh, what, in, that's yeah, in all things. Yeah. I agree. And also two, two spoons of raisins and wine were also recommended. To, to, to eat? To eat prior to a bath. Oh, or not to put sprinkle in the bath as like a kind of. Um, I took it as, oh, you need. I took it as that it was, you were ingesting this. I don't know. I mean, I don't know how I would bathe in raisins. Anyway, it's not very many raisins, though. But so, like you're right. There's like all these traditions around bathing. You know, every culture all around the world. I my my rabbit hole. I went down to like international stuff. Yeah. The sauna in, in Finland and in, you know, in Scandinavia, um, the onsens in Japan, communal baths. We have hot tubs on the West Coast, um, you know, in other places too, but not in my house. Um, in, in, the, in Turkey and uh, like Morocco, they had the hammams, the steam baths and stuff. Native Americans had sweat lodges. All over the world, there's hot springs with different, cult different cultural expectations about what you do and don't do in, in them. And in Russia, they have um, what's called a banya. And um, I had an experience in a Russian, but I could, I, I, I'm having a hard time deciding which of these many things to talk about because I have so many They're stories so I want to share. They're so rich and deep in yeah. stories. But in Russian banya, yes. one of the traditions is, you know, it's only men, or usually only it's segregated by, segregated by sex. And the, you lay down on this like thing, like a platform inside the banya and it's a hot, steamy bath and all these naked men are in there. And the thing you're supposed to do in there is uh, like flail each other with, with uh, a birch, uh, branches okay like it's like a, you're whipping 
one naked man whipping yeah. the back of another naked man with a birch with birch fronds in a steamy hot room. So anyway, I did that. It was hilarious. Um, my, you my, did the fronds? Uh-huh. I went to Russia about a decade or so ago and yeah. I got was lucky enough to get invited to someone's banya. And it was hysteric. It was so freaking fun. Drink. They, they, it, the Russians do something that a lot of other cultures frown upon in a, a steam bath or a sauna, which is drink. Because uh-huh. my experience was Russians drink everywhere. Um, so beer, kvass, vodka. And everyone's like sort of drunk, sort of like altered and whipping each other with birch fronds. It was it was quite an experience. My <laughs> cousin who was it? with me. Um, he, there was some photos taken and he, he absolutely insisted everyone delete the photos and he's like, this is never to be mentioned by anyone in the world, except potentially on a world, uh, podcast broadcast all over. That was his one line of exception. And, and so did you do whipping a friend? Of course. Oh, this is nice. I like that experience. I like getting into the experience. (laughs) Oh, Pete, I want to see, I need to see photos. Or or recreation. (laughs) I'll have to ask my cousin. Um, but, uh, yeah, so. Does this is do you have any thoughts about this with regard to your like personal interest? Does this spark any thoughts on on human development? You know what you know what brought what brought to my mind was um, more along the lines of looking at the timing because it because I was also looking at um, this idea of communal baths and that was really popular in totally. Europe. Totally, all and these things I listed are communal baths. All of one communal kind or baths. Another. And, yeah. Um. So then, in the 16th century. The group baths, they went out of favor. Now, why would that be? Hmm. Anything related to something that's happening right now? Oh, my God. Plague? Plague. And the Black Death and syphilis really came on the scene at that point. And people were like, I don't know if I want to be in a bath with you, Mr. Frond Whipper. I think you- <laughs> Mr. Syphilis you've got, man. You've got some, you've got some right, um, right. uneven skin tones that around mm-hmm. you know certain areas of your body. That it's no hiding. I no don't, hiding don't in the Don't feel good about that. So um, in 1526, Erasmus wrote, 25 years ago, nothing was more fashionable in Brabant than the public baths. Today, there are none. The new plague has taught us to avoid that. Oh, hmm. wow. That's like yeah. well, so much stuff that you have to avoid. I know. You, there were so many things that you could die from back then. <laughs> but, but like, I see what you're saying. This is a parallel to the modern times, right? Well, and and this this brings me back to a little bit of, you know, what are we throwing out with this new plague? Oh, what are yeah. we throwing out? What's going away when this plague settles right. that will not come back? Totally. And that was some of the, and, and as you, as you asked about in, in the areas of interest in education and child development, I am looking at the schools and, yeah. you know, do we say, oh, well, we, we, hey, it works. We aren't getting together or that we are more siloed in either our experiences or in our topics and in our politics. Right. And yeah, our, all those things. So I think um, that togetherness and human development are so important, right? That, that, those together, interactions yeah. with the humans in real time. Yeah. And I think, you know, we found out of convenience some of this um, online learning it, it keeps the learning happening, but you know, to what end? I, I do think most people agree that we do need to be together. Um, I, I was I was listening to another podcast, and they were talking about the the host um, frequency. Uh, Alcoholics Anonymous. And he was saying, at first, this was great. I loved going to my weekly AA meetings. Um, Online, because, mm-hmm. you know, it's an hour commute to get there. It was a whole three hour endeavor. And now he's saying after three sessions of that three weeks, mm-hmm. I need to be in the same room with other people. 
And mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm hoping we're not throwing out our being together out with the bathwater. And I mean, as you know, I, I, you know, my, my real business is the workshop brewing company. We're a brewery and we're a f- famous, well-known establishment in our community for live music. And so that's, that's the baby we had to throw out with the bathwater. Nobody, you know, lately has been going uh, to, to hear live music. We're starting to reinstate that slowly. And the world is trying to figure out how to extricate that baby from its bathwater a little bit right now, you know? Um, there's a, I had a thought around this thing. And I, I don't know if it's, it's kind of a deep topic that might bear, a, you know, a deeper conversation in, in a subsequent episode or something. But it has to do with this idea of cancel culture. Mm, um, yeah. And it, it there are people or it's this idea that if a person has committed some egregiously bad thing, you know, bad um, act, the question that I always wrestle with is, does that mean that everything that they've done has to be also um, sort of erased? Canceled. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. And I don't, you know, the answer to that is really, is is really thorny because who of us, uh, can say that they've made all the right choices and been perfect, especially in their cultural context. I mean, everyone except for the famous abolitions, you know, mm-hmm. um, during the time of slavery did not stand up mm-hmm. against slavery. Does that mean all of their achievements are, mm-hmm. are to be sort of uh, devalued? I'm not say, I don't I'm not suggesting the answer to this. It's just like this is a question that we have to wrestle with because. Mm-hmm. You know, most of my favorite musicians are probably pretty much assholes. Mm-hmm, right. Okay. I mean, they Can say the Van Morrison is like actually mm-hmm. kind of a dick. Yeah. Um, I, I always think, oh, should I be really playing this Michael Jackson song at this children's party? Precisely. <laughs> so like, that's something for me that when I was thinking right. about Baby Out of the Bathwater, I was thinking about that. Like, um, we're, we've all, we've all made mistakes and committed sins. Right. Um, and some are more egregious than others, but like, how do you calibrate the extent to which you have to erase somebody? George Washington had slaves. Mm-hmm. Okay. How, how, to what extent do we have to um, calibrate our, uh, our sort of rejection of their contributions as a result of their failings as a human? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I, I don't know. I think that's a super interesting sort of I do so- too. And topic I think, to dig into. Though. Yeah. And I think to break it into black and white is, you know, saying it's one way or the other way is just oversimplifying. And that, yeah, it's much more ambiguous and has so many gray areas. And, yeah. There's yeah. a real tendency, I think, in, uh, in to make blanket judgments yeah. about things. It's so much harder to make to to navigate the gray yeah, than yeah. it is to simply it consign re- one to the dust heap of history and and uh you know and just yeah it requires forward. thought and conversation and an open heart and mind this is the part in which we fabricate a new proverb on the spot based on two random words that we first learn at the same instant that you do we then pretend it's a real proverb give you its origins and backstory and tell you how it has been a profound influence on our lives, which of course is all complete nonsense. And now we turn to the high tech proverbitron, the extremely expensive operation of which is brought to you with the generous sponsorship of the Boardman Review. Kidneys. Concubine. Kidneys and concubine. Kidneys and concubine. Oh my gosh, I'm so glad that we got these two words. Kidney and concubine. Where else are you going to find those two words in the same sentence other than this famous Japanese proverb? Yeah, yeah, this one's a good one. It's a good one. Now, my translation may not be perfect, but I will 
try my hardest to you know say it in clear English, uh, which is the the following: Behold the kidneys of your concubine; they are pure, but they are outside. Behold the kidneys of your concubine. They, they are pure, but they are outside. They you know, are pure, but they are outside. Yes, outside. Or, or um, also, when the word, the Japanese actual word in Japanese is eviscerated. Mm. But, um, you know, outside is, uh, you know, a nicer word for... For eviscerated. For eviscerated from her body, for example. Um, you know, I think, you know, when people... When I first heard this, when I, I think I first heard this one as a teenager... Um, I, cause I remember I was over a friend's house and the mother had spoken about that and I knew concubine on very kind of high level terms. And did they have Japanese heritage, this family? They didn't. No. Weird. No, not at all. It, it, but it just came up uh, in conversation. And I think when I first heard this, I had this visual of actually holding kidneys and the concubine standing there so serene oh, like and beholding them. Like as yeah, if you're like holding them holding rather them than like looking at them. I yeah. see. Uh-huh. And and holding them outside and, and the, the concubine is um, serene in her, in her, you know, in her demeanor. Um, I thought, look at her. I thought, that's so beautiful. Like, even though your kidneys are being held outside your body, <laughs> it, yeah, it um, you still have peace. Yeah. And, um, and it's, and I think that's really what was cool is that you can visualize this and that's really what it is all about, right? It's right. about even the most tragic thing, organ harvesting, you still should have peace and kind of keep your cool yeah, at all the, times. Yeah. And I remember that this phrase maybe originated from the practice of like um, when the concubine displeased the emperor, mm-hmm. then they would cleave her and she would be cleft in two. Right. And then, and then those kidneys. And then they would be are, on display. Yeah. As a, you know. They're splayed um, out. Yeah, yes. And then they would be beheld in all their beauty. Um, and it, they were always amazed how beautiful the concubines were in, in you know, this is all about how you can really screw some up, up some beautiful stuff and still have it be beautiful, right? Still have it be somehow beautiful. Like, um, yeah, some type of piece of art. You have this perfect mirroring on the two sides. And and I think it's something to also say, this duplication of the two sides. Like kidneys, they're redundant, right? We don't need both kidneys. You just need one. You just need one. Uh-huh. And so I think there's something to do with that. I think the Japanese knew this a long time ago. Well, they have a lot of culinary things. Like the, the Japanese eat like... Do they like the kidneys. I mean, I love Japanese food, but like sometimes it's gets beyond my... It's like more... I'm like an advanced intermediate with Japanese food. I'm like when you get to ex, higher levels of Japanese food, I... You know, the concubine kidneys and stuff. Even for you, Mm -hmm. you draw the line. It's not, yeah, it's something I would never eat. But, you know, in these times, Pete, I think we can reflect, it's probably a very offensive uh, proverb. I think that's why you don't hear it that much. Right. You and I grew up in the 70s when, you know, you could say stuff like that. You could, like, cleave your concubine. You could cleave your concubine. If if you're the emperor. Isn't that hilarious? Yeah. These concubines being cleaved. (laughs) Right now, it is absolutely Abhorrent. With cancel culture, you would just like the emperor, you'd have to, you know, not, like, have you heard he canceled, he cleaved his concubine. And despite how beautiful her kidneys were, they, they, that's not, still not like, right. That guy is finished. No, it's not. It's emperor. not right that you would do that. And Mm-mm. and so I think this is probably not going to be picked up in today's society. Yeah, we do sometimes in our podcast hope that people will pick up our um our proverbs is and you know put them into put, put them into the normal, the normal but we yeah. recognize that this one is pretty this, beyond the pale um, this one this we really yeah. shouldn't so revitalize I, so should we, we cancel do, I do, this no <laughs> i like it i see what you did i there. think this should be can't i think 
uh, yeah, everyone turn off your, um, turn off your listening device immediately. And I never want to hear any of you say, behold, the kidneys of your concubine. They are beautiful, but they're outside to yeah. refer to something which, um, is beautiful despite the fact that it's, it's super horrific up. that it is so completely horrific. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Do, not, do not, no longer use not, that. And, and all you people, your neighbors back where you're growing up, I want them to stop. Say, saying that. Oh, yeah. My, yeah. Hey, I, anyone who Sammy's, said this, actually, I would not let them in my home. Mrs. Hercules, I want you to stop saying this to your children, probably yeah. now your grandchildren. You sicko. Where did you even get that from? Yeah. You need to stop it. You need to, you need to cleave yourself. Yeah. Cleave your kidneys right to the point where you shut your mouth. <laughs> That's a good one, <laughs> yeah, Pete. got her. I really <laughs> zinged her, her there. Good. <laughs> Woo! That episode was a Lollapalooza. Oh, Lollapalooza. Enormous thanks to our friendly friends at the Portman Review. Without them, we will be up Shit's Creek. Ooh. And, oh, did I, is that okay? Oh, yeah, you can say I okay. like it. Okay, good. And also thank you to our generous sponsors, Cold Shower Media. I'm going to need a cold shower after that episode. and Or maybe a warm bath. Also, thanks to our sponsor, Donate a Desk, Enable with the Table. Check them out on Facebook at Donate a Desk. Also, don't forget to send in your words. Be part of the show. If you send in a word for the Perverbertron, we, you could you could be the people that the supplier of our word for the proverb job for crying out loud and also send us a, a proverb that you always wondered about we'd like to wonder about it too and figure out some answers for you and then check out our next episode you might become famous oh for sure if you're not mentioned on here for sure so, watch out so famous my nose bleeds I'm so famous 